The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Oh man Oh, 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 oh man Oh man Greedy Greedy Yes, sir. The Cleveland Browns are above 500. Sitting at 2-1 and one on the season, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. We are here to bring you a game react edition of the show. Talk all about everything that went down on Sunday in a 34-20 victory for your Cleveland Browns. Um... Baker Mayfield, we'll talk about his performance, very much a game manager. Uh, We saw some things that uh, I didn't like and some things I did like. We'll hit all on that. The defense, uh, five takeaways, but still saw some things that scared me a little bit. The run game was fantastic as usual, and uh, I tip my cap to Stefanski. We'll talk all about that. Special guest, friend of show, my boss, Jeff Risden, will be with us to break it all down. He's the best around, and you know it. Uh, We've got a big week of content coming to you here at All Eyes on Cleveland. And a huge game to finish it off on Sunday against the Cowboys. You start getting excited. Yeah, yeah, there it is. All Eyes on Cleveland is the show. I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey on the ones and twos, doing his thing as usual. Uh, The show, All Eyes on Cleveland, will be published at alleyesoncleveland.com. That's the website. Go check it out while you're there. Leave us a review. We're doing a free t-shirt giveaway right now. If you go to all at alleyesoncleveland on Twitter... And follow the uh, the Twitter handle and retweet the tweet. You get an entry into the free T-shirt giveaway. A second entry will be given for any review left on the on the uh, site about the show. Good, bad, or ugly, we will take it. We just want feedback so we can get better for you, the listener. Um, the show is also found on all. Uh, popular podcast platforms, including Apple, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and so on. Um, all of them. Any, anyone you got, if you listen to podcasts there, we are there. Go ahead and kill that Mikey. We are here uh, now to bring the Game React edition of the show to you. Tonight, as I mentioned, special guest Jeff Risden will be with us. I'm kind of working this in real time here, so we'll get him on the air uh, as soon as he makes contact with me here. But I want to start off the show. Uh, I wrote an article today at the Browns Wire where I write. Um, I want to talk about Kevin Stefanski and 
what he has done, uh, it's it's a it's a for many people it would not seem like a huge deal to go to two and one and beat two teams that that you should beat with your talent, but for the Browns it's a big deal. It's a very big deal because how many years have we seen this team lose games uh, that they shouldn't lose? And be in position to win games and find a way to lose them. And as soon as they're, you know, they cough up a lead, it it goes into panic mode and out the window goes the game plan and all things fall apart and uh, players make mistakes and coaches make worse mistakes. And it's happened. We've seen it. Uh, We saw Hugh do it. We saw Freddie do it. Patton, Chud. Pat Shermer, Eric Mangini, Romeo Cornell, the list goes on of guys that have coughed up games that they should have won, found ways to lose in the face of victory. But Kevin Stefanski, so far, so good. You go down 20-17 in that game on Sunday, I'm telling you, that's panic mode for a lot of guys around the league. A lot of guys, the game plan goes out the window and it's time to move the ball now. We should not be losing. No more messing around. Pedal to the metal. But that's not what Stefanski did. He stayed the course. He stayed with what was working, the run game. They stayed patient in their defense. Now, I'm not going to rave about their defense, but what they're doing right now is making you work the ball down the field, trying not to give up the huge play. And by doing that against a really bad quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, it forced multiple turnovers. And turnovers that turned into touchdowns, they took advantage uh, when they had the chance they made sure to run the ball at the right time, and Stefanski was great. He was mature. He was the adult in the room. He was everything that I have expected from him and talked about last week, and, and I cannot say enough about it. It's time now to bring on the one and only Jeff Risden. Let's get to tonight's interview. Jeff Risden is the managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire and The Lions Wire. He's a writer at Real GM and co-host at ESPN 961. Let's get him on, Mikey. And uh, there he is. Here he is on uh, the very uh, special All Eyes on Cleveland hotline, uh, the one and only uh, Jeff Risden, managing editor of USA Today, sports media groups, the Browns Wire, the Lions Wire, NFL writer at Real GM and co-host at ESPN 961 in what what city? That is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I thought so. Grand Rapids, Michigan. And there he is, Jeff Risden. How are we doing tonight, Jeff? It's great to be with you from Beer City, USA. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Jeff, uh you are uh it's it's been a uh, kind of a crazy day in the NFL with all of the uh yeah the the COVID-19 scare with the Titans. Um yeah. so it sound it sounds like they're going to it was eight guys, right? Three players, five personnel guys. Sounds like they're going to shut down the buildings and, you know, 
uh, go from there, I guess. Uh, they said they're going to shut down the buildings till Saturday. Now, here's my question on this, and I, and I haven't talked about it on the show yet tonight, but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. But before we get into the Browns here, um, didn't they? Isn't this why they have an expanded practice squad? Yes. Isn't this what <laughs> they planned for? So why is everything like? coming to a screeching halt with those teams, um, I guess I get it. Yeah. you got to do some of that stuff, clean the building, do the contact tracing and all that, right? Um, and uh, I guess Minnesota tested yesterday and nobody came back positive. And I also read somewhere that all eight people are asymptomatic, if that's not weird enough. Um <laughs> So it's uh, it's what, it's it seems a little overkill, doesn't it? It does. I I just feel like they should have a uh, process in place for this. This is why they did all the 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 uh, negotiating preseason. Oh, yeah. So why is it? I mean, we knew this was going to happen at some point, right? We did, and I'm glad that it happened fairly early in the season. I'm glad that it only happened to three players. Not that it doesn't suck for them, but right, you know. It's not like they're going to have to like like the Forty ers They lost five guys to injured reserve in week two. Yeah, it's not it's not like it can't be done. They're they're missing three guys. One of them's a defensive tackle. I think one of them's their punter, and uh, the other one I don't remember who it was. Really? Um, yeah. Um, at least that's who wound up being on their COVID reserve list today. Uh, you can probably connect those dots on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's I I'm. I'm hopeful that the NFL comes through this okay. They had a they had a positive player with AJ Terrell over the weekend. The, the Falcons cornerback he didn't infect anybody else. Um, he might not even be infected, but he wound up going on the 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 reserve COVID list. Um, whether he was positive or somebody around him was positive, and the Falcons were clean. They're fine. Yeah. So the the, the procedures are working. Uh, this one, it sounds like their linebackers coach was patient zero and didn't know that he had been exposed to it is, is the story that I've gotten, um, from various people. Um, I haven't dug on it yet. I'm actually good friends with Teron Davenport who covers, uh, the Titans for, for ESPN. So I'm going to try to talk to him at some point. I'm sure he's incredibly busy at the moment, but, uh, uh, and, and get a little bit more info on it, but yeah, they should be able to go forward and play this. Like you said, this is why they have the expanded practice squad. This exactly. is why they have the protected practice squad. That's why they have a three-week injured reserve now. So guys who were put on injured reserve before week one and after the rosters were set are, ba- are able to come back now. Exactly. That, this is why they have done the planning that they've done. And I think, I think honestly, it's just the fact that it's new, that it hasn't happened before, that this is, you know – unprecedented um, is is something that I think is, is carrying everybody away with a little bit. Remember um, when the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball had the, had that issue and everyone was like, oh, my God, they're going to shut down the entire season. Well, yes. no, they, they, they didn't. They didn't. No. They, they, they wound up making do. Um, I don't really follow baseball, so I don't know exactly how, how that resolved itself, but I know that they wound up playing a bunch of doubleheaders. So, you know, yeah. there, there's ways around this. I've heard a lot of people have suggested that they move this game to Monday and make it a Monday doubleheader, which I love. I love that anyway. So as long as my teams aren't playing in it, because it's a bitch to cover the Monday night games. Right. <laughs> you know, it's great from a viewing standpoint to watch two Monday night games. I love that. Yeah. I miss it. I love yeah. that in week one. I do, too. So I they, like it having the early game. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I go, I go to bed at 930 at night. So, if you know, if, 
<laughs> I wound up watching the Monday morning. Exactly. I watched. I watched last night's game this morning. I, you know, I'm up at five forty-five in the morning. I'm watching it then. So yeah, if I can yeah. get a full game in before I go to bed, that that's great. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And then, so yeah, I mean, I guess I I just would like to see them play this weekend. Yeah, I, guess. I, I don't. So, I don't. I don't understand why they wouldn't, unless. I mean, it's five staffers. Does that mean you're going to be short staffed? Yeah, but that's you know. Take care of your business, you know. Right. Um, All that probably, talk there probably of, should be a little bit of a penalty or a punitive action for being a team that, that doesn't do the right thing. Yeah. I know I know there's a lot of pressure from the players upon themselves, upon their peer pressure, to stay clean on this, to make sure that they're staying away from any chance of getting infected. So the fact that it came in from a coach, that's uh, or at least that's that's the allegation anyways, is that right. uh it's it doesn't reflect well on the Titans organization. And so if, you know, if yeah. they have to do this shorthanded, you know, that, that's, that's probably on them. I really hope from a Minnesota standpoint, not, not I'm not a Vikings fan, uh, but uh, they, they're Owen three. They're coming off of a game where they just lost and, and now they travel home and they can't practice this week because of yeah. they were exposed to it. I feel for them more than I feel for the Titans. And I hope that it works out for them. Okay. Uh, because they're in a very critical situation. Their their coach is uh, sliding onto a hotter seat. They haven't looked particularly good. Kirk Cousins not having a very good year. Their defense sucks, and uh, you know now they're not going to get to practice for a week. It, that's that's where I have an issue. Is that you know maybe they should get a little bit of a bonus or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what you would do with it. But I'm just thinking out loud. There is that you know maybe the Vikings are sort of innocent bystanders in this, and they're they're getting caught up in it, and that that's very unfortunate. That brings me to another question, and and uh, you know, kind of helped me lead me right into my Stefanski stuff here. As, uh, but uh, are they missing him more than they ever realized? Because I, I uh-huh. you know, they're zero yeah. three, and I heard you know Chris Sims say that Stefanski's offense versus Kubiak's offense is Stefanski's has a little more creative at times in the past game and whatnot, and they're missing that potentially with uh, Cousins. They are. Um, they are not doing as much play action as they used to do, and Kirk's great at that. Uh, and we've, we've seen what it does for Baker. You know, j- Kirk Cousins, like Baker Mayfield, is exceptional at selling the play fake as long as the line sells it too. And, and yeah, I, I didn't watch much. I, I saw about two drives of, of this week's game with Minnesota, but I watched their first two games, and they're not doing it as well. Their line isn't selling it as well. Their line isn't as good as it has been. They missed Stephon Diggs. It seems like, like Kubiak is – I don't think he trusts Cousins the way that, that Stefanski did, and I think that's, that's weighing on him. Kirk is a guy – um, I, I, I'm here in his hometown. Um, he, he's going to be my, my representative in Congress someday. So I, I'll talk <laughs> nicely about him. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he is not a guy. He's a guy that needs to have a lot of confidence in himself and he needs his teammates to believe in him. And I'm from what I'm getting out of Minnesota, they don't have that right now. And some of that is that they do miss Stefanski and they miss his flair. Um, we've, we've seen him install things in Cleveland that they didn't necessarily do in Minnesota. You know, the, the rollouts, getting Baker on the move on purpose. Yes. They don't do that. Kirk, Kirk Cousins can't do that. That, that. That's something that's very different from him. And I think Stefanski's adaptability to come up with, like, like they, they played a different offense against the Bengals than they did against the, the football team. 
because the football team's defensive line was their dominant factor, whereas in Cincinnati it was their secondary that was their good, the good part of their team. And you mm-hmm. saw how different they approached that. I don't know that Gary Kubiak is is an old dog learning new tricks on that. I mean, he's he's been around for a very long time. Uh, yep. He's he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but I, I do think that they they are missing Stefanski, and it's it's certainly not helping them not having him there. Although I'll say this, they missed Stephon Diggs, and they missed the hell out of Everson Griffin too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely um, missing a playmaker there, definitely. And uh, yeah, it just uh, hasn't been a good start for them. It hasn't looked good at all. So uh, interesting though uh, to bring that up is they you know. A lot of people were scared off of Stefanski saying, oh, maybe it's just Kubiak the whole right. time. And yeah. maybe it was the ver- vice versa, you know. That so, does happen. I mean, yes. we, we, we yeah. saw that with um, – uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the coach before Hugh. <laughs> uh, Chud- Patton. Oh, Patton. Oh, Patton, yeah. Chud-, Chud was in there, wasn't he? I yeah, can't he keep- snuck in there for a year. Oh, God, that was a mistake. Yeah. Oh, that was like – so I'll go off topic here for a second. Yeah. I um, In the coaching, when the Browns have done their coaching hires, I, I liked Hugh. I thought that was going to work. I really did. That That's my bad. I understood why Freddie got hired. Um, I wasn't, I, I wanted Bruce Arians um, and I, I would have been okay with a couple of other choices as well, but I understood why they went with him and I didn't, I didn't hate on that. It obviously didn't work. Right. I like I liked the Stefanski hire. I was never on board with Chud. I'm like, there's no way that dude could coach. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I knew it way ahead of time. Yeah. Pat and I was sort of indifferent about like, ah, okay. It's worth you know at, at that point they were having trouble finding anybody who wanted the job, so I understood that. Yeah, situation. he was like their fifth well, option that time. So yeah. that, was a, that was a bad coaching search for yeah. sure. Friggin' uh, but, but, I hated but, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he, but Hugh was like I was just talking about this when when you uh, <clears throat> said you were ready. I was just talking about you know what I what I talked about in my article this morning. You know, yeah. I was going down the list of names of guys that have just found ways to lose games and panicked in crucial situations. And that oh, that's just you, a man. Breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah, for Stefanski, just to just to not panic and trust his players and go to what works and continue to run the ball. And I know their defense isn't great right now, but the, basically they're just kind of playing soft and keeping everything in front of them. And, and they continue to do that with a bad quarterback back there, and he turned it over, you know. So oh, it, yeah. it, it worked out. And, uh, and so I give cre- credit to Stefanski a lot with that because that's what I expected of him is an organized, uh, mature attack. Yes that you'll stay with in, in the crucial points of a game. And I felt like I was a big step, even oh, though. Oh yeah. I, 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 I really enjoyed, I enjoyed your perspective on that. It was a good article. And, uh, uh, by the way, check that out at Brownswire post, please. Brad, yeah. Brad deserves the clicks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, uh, Jeff. Wonderful. Uh, so what was your – let me ask you this. What was your initial reaction before watching any of the All-22 or tape or anything? Because I kind of have a different view on things after watching a little bit of the tape today. Mm-hmm. Um, but initial reaction after watching the game the first time, how did you feel about the win in general? Uh, I felt that they were lucky that Washington played sloppy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, and that, that shouldn't take away from the fact that they, they wound up taking care of business very nicely. I thought that it wasn't Baker's best day, 
but uh, he, he did okay. It was. It seemed like they were a little bit. I think they were ta- a little bit taken aback at how good Washington's defense was. Honestly, on offense, uh, that front, and this really came through on the that front is awesome. Yes. <laughs> they are yes. they are really really good. Even after they lost Ionitis and and Chase Young early on in that game, Montez Sweat's a beast, man. Oh, Jonathan yeah. Allen's good. Deron Payne, they got talent. Yeah, uh, and their their linebackers are not necessarily good, but they run well, and they had good run fits. And I think that the the early run game wasn't working very well. And to Stefanski's credit, as he wrote, they stuck with it, knowing that it would eventually wear down. Uh, and I, you know, it, it it wasn't a good enough game from Cleveland to beat a lot of teams, but it was good enough to beat Washington by fourteen points. Right, and that that, that sort of tells you, you know. Um, the other thing that I took away was, was Miles Garrett and Sheldon Richardson are monsters in their own right. They were both phenomenal, and they have the ability to ruin game plans for other teams. Miles was, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, spectacular, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's a nice thing to have when your secondary is awful. Uh, the linebackers are not any better. Uh, and, uh, you know, Garrett... He's he's responsible for why that they, they only gave up the, the the fourteen points that they did early on. That was uh, yes, that was a, an incredible performance by him, and that's why you pay him the big bucks, and he earned it. Yeah, and and uh, you're absolutely right. I thought uh, our front played well. Their front was very impressive. Montez Sweat, especially like you said, um, you know, giving chase to Baker all over the place. Uh, you know, force him out of the pocket. Um, yeah, some return of uh, some ball placement issues with Baker, especially in the first. Yeah. Half. Now he yeah. didn't really throw it in the second half that much. He had a couple. Well, he of missed. Throws. He missed Kareem on on the the spectacular catch by Kareem. That should yes. have been a touchdown. Yeah. That that one's on Baker. He missed. Um, he missed Beckham deep early. The the play where where Beckham broke it up. He also had a couple of passes that, to Hooper that were the, they weren't uncatchable, but they should have been better spotted. And, yeah. you know, um, one of the others, as you know, I cover the Lions as well. I went from watching this game directly into the Lions game, and Baker Mayfield and Matthew Stafford are very different quarterbacks. And so yeah. watching Stafford, you know, throw absolute lasers into tight windows, it's very different from what you expect from Baker. And, and that sort of, you know, the visual shock of that, it, it makes me appreciate, A, that Baker is as good as he is, but also, B, you know, just, you know, how – how much we expect our quarterbacks to do when uh, sometimes you have to let the receivers do the work too. And I, I don't think it was a great game other than Beckham, who I thought played a very good game. I don't think Juice played all that well. I don't think Hooper had a great game, even though he he, he did catch some balls. Yeah. Harrison Bryant was, was decent, but uh, the, the skill positions honestly were not at, I mean, I know, I know it's sacrilege to, to dog on Chubb, Chubb and Hunt, they were great in the first half. They were missing some things. You know, they, yeah. they, they turned it up, obviously, but it was not a complete full game from any of those guys. Uh, and Baker is not good enough to carry them without them playing well. Yeah, it was like, okay, so, you know, since it's Cincinnati is Cincinnati, right? And and uh, we haven't really talked since that game, but, but he looked really good there. It was like oh, he was great. probably his best One game of, since maybe his rookie year. In my oh, opinion. absolutely. He, he was great. 
And, uh, you know, the ball looked different coming out of his hand, and he was getting off of reads, and he was, you know, and they helped him out. They did some things with Beckham and stuff, right, where they, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of made him the secondary or third read, and so he knew he would be there, and it made him a little more comfortable, I think, in, in the pocket and stuff. But And he stayed in the pocket, and he made really good throws. And then, you know, just weirdly, not that he played terrible yesterday, but the the throws you mentioned, and then a couple outs, the one out to Beckham where he throws it way over his head out of bounds again. He just just misses some throws sometimes that are there, and you just kind of you're like, okay, one step forward, two steps back a little bit kind of feeling. The the thing is, he is making better decisions, and I think that's the important thing, is that his process in the offense is is progressing. Not to be redundant there, but you're you're seeing him make the decisions that Kevin Stefanski wants him to make, and that's what you need, because uh, that's going to make him very dangerous, and we like like a dangerous speaker. It's a lot better than the one we saw last year. No question. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland special guest Jeff Risden, managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire and The Lions Wire, NFL writer at Real GM and co-host at ESPN 961 Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, let's uh, On that topic of Baker, now is the real question is, I don't know if they can follow this same game script against Dallas I watched all three games last night. I was up all night, and and I watched them all because Dallas is a lot of fun to watch, to be honest. They are. (laughs) They are. They have moved the ball almost. Oh, they're they're crazy. Yeah. They've basically done anything they wanted in the past game in every game, and they very well could be 0-3 without a blunder from the Falcons. So they've had a lot of weird plays, a lot of weird games, a tough schedule (laughs) early, right? And they could be 0-3, but they've moved the ball seamlessly. Like, it's crazy. Like, I mean, how does that happen? I don't know. But their offense is unbelievable, their their passing offense is as good as any in the league. Yes. The rest of, the rest of their team is dreadful. Yes, the defense is god awful. Yes, <laughs> they they can't cover any. You think yes. the the Browns secondary is bad? Yes. Andrew Sandejo would be an upgrade at safety for Dallas right now. They are wretched on the back end. They are. They don't it, they don't cover anybody. Their big issue they can't transition. They they're they're winding up playing a lot of zone. Their transitions from player to player between the zones is not. Existent. They have no communication. They have no cohesion back there at all. So they're giving up very easy completions down the field to uh, to guys like Matt Ryan, who, who and uh, the, the, you know they're just you know Russell Wilson him picked them apart with with guys off the street basically because if you yeah. look, at, look at what they had, um, you know in Seattle they're just they're running. so banged up, yeah, and they're, they're just yeah. running free down the field and uncovered and. Yeah. Let's hope that continues because yeah. uh, I, I'd like to see I'd like to see Baker light it up. But Dallas, you're right. Uh, I haven't watched all of their games like you did. You're you got a little bit more masochist in you than I do. But uh, yeah. that's uh, they are fun. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's fun, it's fun to watch a 37 to 30 football game. I like those. <laughs> yeah, I mean they did some. They've done some crazy stuff too this year. Like so that Rams game. The Rams started dinking and dunking on them early, and they were getting everything. And then they realized they didn't have to do that anymore. Right. And they could just open it up. And in the second half, they opened it up a little bit. They won 2017 
Now that would they lost that game basically on a on a pi call that I thought was garbage. Do you? I don't yes. know if you watched that. Yeah, game. I did. I did. It was it was sketchy. Yeah, um, the, the Rams have had that. They had that in Buffalo this weekend too. They got a sketchy call that went the other way. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, that if that call doesn't get called, they win that game. Dallas yeah, does. They then do. they're they're up big against the or they're down to the Falcons. They tried two fake punts in the Falcons oh game. Two fake punts, <laughs> both failed. Um, they they. Uh, Come this make this incredible comeback and then get an onside kick because the Falcons didn't even know they were allowed to touch the ball before ten yards and, and oh, of all things right so uh, unbelievable there and then in week three they basically they had that game I mean they had it won they, they were had up it by one yeah yeah they were up they were up by seven they were up by nine at one point in the fourth quarter weren't they they yeah yeah the, and then, yeah it was. And then even weird, weirder plays at the end of that one, the one where Dak throws it, uh, basically a blatant interception to Flowers, hits him in the chest, goes off his foot right into Gallup's hands. He goes down, you know, down the field. And then Cedric Wilson comes on out of nowhere for them for two touchdowns and 100 and some yards. I mean, it's crazy. Like, they've had some wild games, just shootouts. They're not guarding anybody. It's almost like they're coming out on the field, like, hurry up and score so we can get the ball back. And it's just crazy. I mean, uh, so yeah. I don't know what, what the Browns' approach should be. I mean, do they say, hey, we're going to run the ball, try to keep Dak off the field? Um, but it's almost like, hey, yeah, you want to do that, but you also want to take advantage of this defense. And I, that's where the big play running comes in. And they, they, they have two of the best big play runners in Hunt and Chubb, yes. I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that. Dallas does not rush the passer well either. So if they're going to commit extra guys to rushing the passer, that's going to open up the, the pop pass to Austin Hooper. That's going to open up juice over the middle. Um, he hasn't really gotten on track yet this year. It'd be nice to see him have a good game. You know, run, the, the Stefanski offense is perfectly designed to attack what Dallas doesn't do well. So I'm expecting this to be a very good offensive game. And the flip side is is that you know Dallas is going to put up points. That yeah. CD Lamb, dude, that that guy can play. Oh, unbelievable. Um, uh, I, I was a little skeptical of him coming out of Oklahoma. I was I was lower on him than most than most draft analysts were. Not not that I thought he was going to stink or anything, but I'm like I don't I don't know if it's going to work for him right away. It's I was yeah it's working right away. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. So um, you know offensively they as long as they give Baker time and they should be able to do that. Uh, because the offensive line is playing great and Dallas's pass rush is not good. I, I think, again, it, it does go back to Baker a little bit. If, if Baker is making the, the decisions that he's supposed to make, they should have no problem moving the ball on this team. None. Yeah. Um, so it may be a little bit of a shootout. Uh, they're going to have to score with them. Now, let's talk about the Browns' defense a little bit. So, so the five turnovers yeah. and, and, and Haskins <laughs> is terrible, right? Uh, so Has, that, Haskins, Haskins is like I felt bad for his teammates because he is capable of doing spectacular plays and he made some really nice throws. Yeah, but man, he just he has tunnel vision. If it, it's his first read and if it isn't there, it is uh, oh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, he's there. he likes to stare him down for sure. He did it at Ohio State too, uh, but uh, didn't really matter yeah. then. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, five turnovers, 
touchdowns on four of them, right, or or whatever. I yeah, think cash four, cash, cash four of them in for touchdowns. Yeah, that's crazy. So, but they but the Browns gave up a lot of chunk plays. You were talking about the you know the Browns are in a lot of zone too. They I mean they they played some man as well, but like they're in cover three and cover four mostly, yeah. right? And, yes, definitely a lot of cover a lot of cover four, especially uh, in the yeah. second half of the game. Uh, and uh, uh, there's one play that sticks out in, in particular to me, and I don't remember who the receiver was, but they went on a cross, and it was just a basic, you know, cross, you know, intermediate route. And Malcolm Smith is the linebacker who's on the left side of the defense, and it took until the the guy that he was supposed to be covering was on the right hash mark before he realized that that's where he needed to go. Yep, that those transitions, right, from, from yeah. area to area. And and Sandejo is not going to. He's, he's just not going to get there. It's, that's not a good situation. Yeah, and I, you know, I oh. did a, a little film Twitter thing today on Sandejo. He's just not aggressive enough. I mean, he just—it's like he's playing to not get beat all the time. So much, There's, he just keeps everybody so far in front of him, uh, mm-hmm. and it is like I know that maybe the way they're teaching it because they're you know injured and banged up back there. But I just want to see him, like, on this play, there's no threat of anybody coming into his middle third of the field at all. Like, move up the field and make yes. a play. Look or, for or work. Cheat, cheat to us. Yes, look for work. That is the exact way to put it. He doesn't do that well. No. I'm hopeful that we see more Ronnie Harrison, although he hasn't exactly played well either in his limited duty. So No. You know, uh, keep in mind, this. it should be Grant Delpit back there. And yeah. uh, I, I we, we're going to have to deal with some walks on there. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to, I don't know. I mean, you put Delbit out there, but it's hard to, are you going to take, is Ward not going to play then? Are you guessing? I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, we're not to that point yet. I, I am hopeful that he's out there. I'm hopeful that Greedy comes back. That would he, be, you need yeah. all hands on deck this week. I, I just can't imagine, I, I don't want him to take Mitchell off the field because I feel like he's maybe one of the brightest spots they have right now. He's been, yeah, he's been very impressive. I think Tavier Thomas has made the most of what he can do. Uh, he's He is not a guy who should be playing a lot, but the fact that he yeah. is playing a lot and isn't terrible is should be encouraging for Browns fans. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you know, against the Bengals, it was, what, nine completions on ten targets. So he struggled a little there in coverage. Yeah. But yesterday he made a nice play, you know, coming up the field, and he tackles really well. He, he is know, the best, he's the best tackler in the secondary. Yeah. So. There, there, there's, there's assets for him. He, he knows it. You know, he, he's a really good dude. He's from, he's from where, where I'm at here. He went to, uh, to Ferris State, which is about an hour away from here. And you know, I, I've gotten to know him a little bit. He understands what his role is. And he's, yeah. He, he knows that he made the Browns for special teams. Right. And the fact that that he is the number four cornerback right now, and he should be number seven. Uh, that that tells you where the the secondary is at in terms of injuries. That's get keeping Ward healthy, getting greedy back on the field. Man, if those two could play like two straight months together, it would be such a boon. For oh, the I know defense. it would. Um, and then you know they got MJ Stewart out there, and he did not look good. He was no, he, he struggled in those transitions as well, passing guys along in the zone. Uh, Kevin Johnson had to knock the rust off. He did not look great either. Uh, just kind of he, he was okay. You know, I, I do think it was more of, of like you said, kicking the rust off. I think he's going to get yeah. better. 
Yeah, I think I mean, so the, the, too. The dude was in the hospital a month ago with a liver injury. Lacerated I, liver, yeah. How the hell does that – I still don't know how the hell that happens. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how that happens either. And it was like a really normal play too, right? Like he yeah. just kind of fell weird and and, and then to go out and play is like the crazy thing, right? Like thinking about that you have like a uh, an injury – like inside your body like that, but you know, I guess uh, they they play this game for a reason. I mean, those guys have a different mental. God bless him. You know, yeah. he he's a dude. He had so many injury problems when he was in Houston. I don't blame him for trying to maximize it out. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they gave him the green light. Said you can't do any more damage. So, you know, he's out there. Uh, yeah, headstrong, right? But uh, I, I thought he looked better when he got kicked outside when Ward left the game. Yes. I thought he played better. He did, and that, that's uh, interesting because he was not good outside in Houston at all, and Buffalo quickly moved him inside as well. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, Buffalo's very good on the outside, and I think that might have helped him some too. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, ideally, though, you want him to start right on the inside and probably play most of the snaps there, try to keep Thomas and Stewart off the field, except for when you're maybe in – you know, some of that cover four stuff like we were talking about, but um, in some of the prevent looks that they that they go into. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so, the, and, you know, how to play this Cowboys pass game is the question, right? And, and Ward is going to be key. Um, certainly, I, I would yeah. – without him, they may struggle big time, I think, you know. This is, this is a game where the front is going to have to control it. And Dallas's line is not the Dallas line that you're used to. They are no. shuffling things around. Tyron Smith is out. He might be back this week. He might not. Uh, it doesn't matter because they, you know, the Browns' front – you know, you, you saw what Miles and, and Sheldon can do. You, you, you're seeing Porter Gustin continue to look like a guy who, like, how the hell did he not beat out Chad Thomas instantly? I, I, I don't get that. Yeah, he's very impressive, yeah. <laughs> he's been good. So this is a game where the front is going to have to win the game for him. And they can. They just did. <laughs> yeah, no no question. And, um, you know, watching those games, the Rams got pressure on deck. The Falcons got pressure on deck, which is really saying something because they don't, you know. They yeah, that's really not kind of that's not what they do. Rest, they're they're right. very they're a very passive defense. Yeah, and then and the Seahawks got got to him too. So I mean, they all were able to pressure him. Um, it was interesting about the Cowboys' offense. Like I noticed in the first game, like they were doing a lot of uh, you know boot like uh, rolling Dak out, a lot of boot left, boot right, throw to the tight end. You know, five yards, six yards here. And as the season has gone along, they've just kind of abandoned all that, and he's just dropping back and chucking it now because they're having such success. I think that they've just kind of changed their game plan a little bit. Like, they don't need to take their time and move the ball down the field. They're just throwing it. Yeah, and, and they're not using Zeke as much. And that's, no. that, that no. is something that I know from, from just watching the Dallas media go at one another on Twitter over the last couple of days is, is a hot topic. I wonder if they're going to try to mix more of Zeke into this game uh, and, and maybe get him back up because uh, he's – Yeah, 14 he likes for to 34. Eat. Yeah, 14 for 34 yards last, yeah. uh, against uh, Seattle. Uh, interesting, though. Um, yeah, so my question yeah. was for you was uh, about that secondary. Last question I have on that is what do you think about Harrison? Like, so Sandejo just seems like not – it's, I just am not a fan, I you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and Harrison, I think, has some, uh, some potential. Like, when are they just going to kind of just say, 
like let him go and, and let him play a little bit back there because they've really just used him in the box a lot. I've noticed uh, they really yeah. let him go back there with with uh, Joseph and see what they can do. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Sheldrick Redwine get a, a shot at it. And yeah, if, yeah. if you flash back a year, um, uh, I was not a Redwine fan at all. I didn't think he deserved to be drafted. Uh, thus far, he's outplayed that. He, if if Sandejo is continuing to struggle and cover the way he is, they've got to do something. They can't just have this as a status quo because teams are figuring it out. They they got lucky that the the last couple of quarterbacks they have haven't been able to challenge it all that well. And uh, I don't I don't mean that as a disparaging thing about Burrow. That was just we saw how that game went. He he didn't look downfield because he didn't have time to look downfield. Right. And uh, that's uh, that's about the only way that they're covering up Sandejo right now. He's just. Like you said, he, he he's got to go look for work better than what he is. And if he's not going to do it, please try somebody else back there, Joe Woods. I mean, yes. I know you're, you're trying to cobble yeah. things together, but this is a chance for you to assert your creativity and your your you know your flair and imprint on the defense. And if if you want that to be your defensive identity, that you're willing to accept a safety who is not doing what he should be doing, that that. That's not a good sign. Cleveland eats up coaches like that. We know that very well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you thought Odell Beckham Jr. played a really good game. I did he as did. well. Yeah. Uh, four catches, I think, uh, or for, and I think they were all for first downs. Yep. Um, and six six targets. One of them was the pass breakup, and another one was a yep. throw that that nobody could have caught. <laughs> yep, exactly. And and uh, one of the biggest plays of the game was when they, you know, I think it was maybe either the third or the fourth time they had the ball in the second half, and they hadn't moved it at all. And he he finally caught that that thirteen yard catch to get a first down, and that kind of yep. opened things up for him. Then they started running, and and that was it. Uh, they were good from there on out, but it just took that one first down there, like to kind of move it. And he came up big there, sat down in the middle of the zone, and got open and uh, made a nice catch. He blocked well. He, he was, did. He was the first guy to, to celebrate with Bryant, to celebrate with guys in the end zone. It was nice yep. to see. It was kind of like, okay, maybe he's buying in on this this winning thing here. I hope so. You know, and that that's that's always been the hope is that the winning will take care of a lot of what Odell's – I don't want to say issues because I think – honestly, I think Odell's issues in New York were more of the media's perception of Odell than it was anything that Odell did. Right. Um, he's just – he's not a guy who's going to play ball with that. And uh, mm-hmm. the Cleveland media is different. Um, I'll just I'll, – yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, they're different. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and, I, I saw uh, some of your comments about the. Uh, oh man! <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we won't we won't go down yeah, that road. But yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a lot better if Odell is is part of the team and not the focal point of the media's attention on the team. The same is also true of Baker Mayfield, and it's very interesting the two of them are together. Uh, but uh, so far, so good. Baker, I, I love how Baker is handling the media this season. And that is that that is an issue for him. Mm-hmm. I think I think his his reflectiveness before he answers a question is something that's important. And I think you are seeing, you know, if you watch the the interview that, that Odell did with with Maverick um, uh, on on LeBron's thing, mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I, I thought it it really showed that you know maybe 
he needed that, not having football in his life, not having that as his preoccupation to sort of realize and reset himself. And everything that I've heard is that, you know, that was legit. That That's who he is now. Um, you know, having, having the stability, having a stable live at home girlfriend, you know, having an actual house where he likes to go and chill and not, not be a guy who's in demand at clubs and things like that and not having to make personal appearances all the time. Yeah. I, I think it's been very, very good for him. You know, he said that COVID was the best thing that happened that has ever happened to him outside of football. And I, I based on the earlier terms, I kind of agree with them. Um, it, yes. It's weird, but you know, that, that, that part of the equation is out of the way. Now he's just Odell, the, the really good football player, not the eccentric weirdo that wears clown shoes. And right, that, that, right. that's a very good development for this team. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I think as a frat, I don't think that's like a solid thing, but like that's right. It's, it's trending, right? Like I think yes. it could still go off the tracks. Like, cause he's, yes, here's the thing, Jeff, he's so good that at times when you see even like his stats and you're like, he played a hell of a football game, right? But he only had four catches and, that's what they had to do to win the game. You'd still like to see him use him more because he's yeah. better than that, right? Like, he's <laughs> yeah, better he's... than that. Like, he was open on that deep ball, and um, he's open other times in the game, and it, he's just not getting it sometimes. But um, the patience he's showing is actually pretty remarkable for as talented as he is. You watch him run routes on people, and they're just – they can't – you know, he gets separation, certainly, so – I, I yeah, don't know. He's, he's a complete package. Let's let's. He is due to go off for one. He you is. Know, yeah. Um, I I thought he might be able to do it against Washington, and he did a little bit. But you know, again with the, with the ground attack and and the Browns are unusual in that they can they can get big plays from the running game. Yeah. And that's that's that that takes some getting used to from a fan perspective because you're used to oh my god you got to. You're not going to get a. You're not going to get a more than two or three twenty yard runs all year. Well, Chubb gets one every week. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sort of changes the calculus of of the big play receiver. Yeah, no question. But he, he, he's buying in, like you said. Though it's tenuous. Do we do we trust it? No. Is it great that what's happening? Yes. Let's let's hope it sticks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, maybe this week could be the week though that he has a monster game because I I don't believe anybody in that secondary can really guard him. No. Uh, so uh, we'll he, we'll see what he, happens. He, there. he will. Let's let's just say if if I were a daily fantasy player, this would be a week where I would strongly consider buying Odell. Yeah. Yeah. Buy heavy on. Uh, 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 shares of uh, ha- hammer down on Odell this week. Yeah. So, um, question I'm getting from a lot of people. Uh, you know, Browns fans, Jeff, are Hollywood Higgins diehards, right? Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kaderil Hodge, I think, has done a great job. Uh, Kaderil Hodge is one of the best blocking wide receivers yes. in the NFL. Yes, and he and he he does play special teams well. He's uh, made himself a complete football player. When the ball has been thrown to him, he's caught it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is he like a as as talented as maybe Higgins as far as a wide receiver? Just straight raw traits and talent, and you know the ability to make a big play. Maybe not, but he certainly is 
working hard at his craft and becoming a very good wide receiver and in becoming like finding a way to make himself useful on this team as a blocker. Uh, I I can't complain. I, I want to see Higgins too, but I can't complain with Kadero Hodge. The thing with Higgins is this is the second coaching staff in a row that has decided that he hasn't worked hard enough to get on the field. Yep. That is where you got to go with it. That's 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 saying it without saying it. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with Jeff Risden, our special guest tonight. Um so JoJo Natson out for the season. Does that mean uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones should get called up this week, Jeff? I hope so. I, I'm, I'm optimistic to see him. That would be nice. It, you know, I feel bad for JoJo. He got his first kickoff return in week three. It took yeah. that long. He, he did okay with it. and then he took a 15-yard penalty to get yeah. it uh, yeah. kicked out of the end zone, right? Uh, yeah, so. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It sucks for him, but... It, it, next man up and Donovan Peoples Jones. That's what he was good at at Michigan. I'm, I'm, he's he is so physically talented. I just hope that he can dial it in because uh, you know I, yeah. I, I watched him a lot at Michigan. He's there were there were games where he looked like a guy who was going to be a, a first or never a first, but like a second or a third round pick. And then there were a lot of games where like, why is this guy on the football field? Let's hope that the the, the former guy shows up instead of the latter. And yeah. uh, if he can contribute on on offense. You know, there's the other there's the other side of that Higgins coin. Higgins doesn't play special teams. If you're a reserve exactly. wide receiver, you've got to contribute somewhere. That's why Hodge is on the team. That's why uh, that that's that's one of the reasons why why uh, Dearness Johnson is doing so well as the number three running back is because he's out there on special teams. That's why Tavier Thomas is on it. Those guys have to play on special teams, and Higgins doesn't. He's not a return guy. He's not. He's never been good. And covering or gunning or anything like that, so that's yeah, that that's why you're not seeing them. Um, and yeah. quite frankly, if if there are roster moves to be made in the near future, it wouldn't surprise me if Higgins is gone. Is one of the next guys out because he's he is 52 or 53 on the roster right now. Yeah, you would think so at this point, uh, just because he he does like you said he doesn't provide that value. I had somebody on Twitter the other day saying, "Oh, well, Higgins should get called up now that." Natson's hurt. Well, I'm like, well, no, because he can't. That's, return that's not his, that's not his role at all, right? He, yeah. And you saw what Natson did. They they ran a couple of they ran an end around to him, and they ran him faking it twice. And the way that it impacted the defense because of his speed and quickness, uh, that that was that was cool. Um, and yes, that, yeah. Peoples Jones can do that. Higgins, nobody's afraid of Hollywood Higgins' speed. He he gets open because he's crafty, he's smart, he's physical. That's that's not the role that they're looking for, though. Yep, uh, unfortunately, it's not. And uh, you're right. I think he is probably right there on the bubble. So we'll see how things play out here, especially you know on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Health wise, is probably going to dictate how this roster turns o- turns over a couple. You know, at the bottom a little bit, just to see. I mean, this secondary has somebody has to stay healthy enough back there for them to have i mean it's just a (laughs) rotating door of guys right now you know that's what it feels like it really does yeah and it's not that doesn't work on a week-to-week basis i I just don't think that can work um so i i foresee that being a potential issue all year especially when you have when ward hasn't shown the ability to stay available and 
neither is greedy at all, really. I mean, they're both um, dinged all the time. So I worry about that. And let alone Kevin Johnson. And you, I didn't even know this, but you, you said he's been injured almost his whole career, right? So he missed. Uh, he missed. He so he had seasons where he he got hurt in the opener one year. He played, I think, ten games the next year. Then he played three games the year after that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, to be honest, so is MJ Stewart's been hurt uh, yeah. for almost a whole season. I mean, so it's not like these guys, and, and it's not like I, I think he's the answer by any means. He's just a guy to me too. Uh, he's actually pretty short and slow, uh, to be honest. But he is. He he's definitely yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you hope that this defense can come together and be better than what they are right now, you know, or, or better the, this, you know, the whole can be better than the pieces, right? Uh, exactly. But until they can play together on a week to week basis, that I just find that, uh, to be having, you know, a hard time seeing that come to fruition here. Um, they gotta get, some kind of consistency. The front four is good enough. You've got some guys like Carl Joseph, I think, is playing good football. But other than he had that, a, he had a great game against Washington. Yeah, and BJ Goodson had a good game against Washington. That was nice to see. He definitely did. Yeah. So um, uh, BJ Goodson, yeah, has been kind of a nice surprise at times. So um, we'll see what happens there. I don't. What happened with Mac Wilson? Did you know he did not just, play? He didn't play a lot. Uh, no, I think they're like spoon feeding him to get back. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm not too concerned about that yet. That's something. The fact that he's back at all this early is is very nice to me. Um, I'm not. I have low expectations for him coming back and being an impact player for a while. So interesting question here, and I've only got two questions left here for you, Jeff. Uh, as we're coming up on an hour here, and I don't want to keep you much longer. But, uh, so I talked too much. Sorry, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. It it always makes for a great show. Uh, every time we do a show, uh, it's it's seems uh people seem to love it it's excellent so we we cover a lot and quickly um but it, it's it's good uh, i think so uh but as far as like let's look real quickly to like the off season okay and i know it's right. week three but uh they got to address the defense in the off season right so you would yes. think that the first thing that they would do is probably try to find a long-term solution opposite miles garrett as that's one of got to be one of the most important positions on the field i would think right Right. Uh, and, no and Vernon, Vernon, Vernon will be gone. Claiborne will be gone. Gustin will stick around, but they got to have another guy. Right. Um, so maybe, maybe Gustin is it. Right. I think he he he'll be could good be. Yeah. I, it, he's certainly worth being in your top. If he's your number three, you're in really good shape. He's been very good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then. You know, I, I think probably there will be a natural turnover maybe a little bit uh, in the inside of the line with Elliott maybe stepping up. I don't know if they'll bring uh, Richardson back at another, what, $14 million. I know he's really good. It's that's tough. that's that's pricey. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe they'll get Andrew Billings. Maybe he'll decide to play next year. Um, yeah. Yeah. His contract is full, so he is still on the team. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I like him a lot, so he would be something there. Um, I'll be honest with you, though. I want them, and this isn't a drafting, I want them to get a veteran cornerback on the outside, a big guy who can run. Okay. Uh, uh, a, a guy who weighs more than 195 pounds yep. and who can run less than a 4'6". Yep. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a great player, but just somebody 
They fast. have fat, yes, but size. They have so much trouble with receivers with size, uh, and and you know, Ward's great. He's not a big dude. Greedy's great, or could be great. Uh, I won't put him there yet. He he's got he doesn't have that size either. They need somebody who can match up with a um, a, a guy who's six foot two and two hundred and twenty pounds. They don't have anybody on on the roster that can come close to that right now. That's for me. I I, I need that guy on the defense uh, as yeah. much as I need anything else. And I want that to be a veteran. I don't want it to be a rookie. <laughs> I'm not too yeah. picky. <laughs> yeah. No, I I agree completely. So you would think that draft combination uh free agency you would uh, want to address this somehow secure this uh secondary mm-hmm. with a veteran presence like you said um maybe through the draft too but you've got to have better depth back there i think yes and uh i mean you can have you cannot have truly people say it but it is no joke you cannot have enough good corners honestly nope. And uh, and that defensive end, I think, will be addressed as well. Maybe Porter Gustin turns out to be the guy, but I still think you'll have to address it at some point. Yeah, you got you got to get another guy in that mix, anyways. And Joe Jackson is playing a lot, and he's yeah. not, he has he hasn't been bad, but no. he's 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 not a guy that we know that well yet. Yeah. So uh, here's my question. Uh, a n- last question, and I've talked about this on the last two shows. Uh, because it, it was brought to my attention by actually a listener in a mailbag segment I did, and uh, it's a really good point, and it's something to keep an eye on. And then I heard Zagura mention it like a week after we talked about it, too, on on their show. So Joby's contract situation, um, mm-hmm. he is going to be a free agent, uh, unrestricted. I think... He is a culture guy and one of those guys that you want to keep in Cleveland if you're going to keep guys, right? Uh, yes. For me, he is like kind of that epitome of the tough, uh, strong, quiet leader type of guy you want to keep around, right? And yep. But if they let him get past the bye week, I can't imagine – Without a contract, I can't imagine his agent not telling him to hang on and, and test the market. And in the market, he may get like Chris Jones money because he's probably going to be one of the best interior defensive linemen available this offseason. So well, somebody sure. is going to pay him the $80 million over four years. Now, can the Browns sign him to like 65 or 70 by doing it before then? Like before the bye week? I think maybe they could. It gives you some kind of, you know, uh, not a home town discount, but it would, it would. It, be, it, it, it's security ahead of security. Of things. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I think that needs to be attended to sooner than later if you're serious about keeping him, because if you let him test the market, I don't think you're getting him back. I I would agree with that. I I don't know how this regime handles in season contract negotiations. Some some teams are are fine with it. Um, I know uh, when I covered the Houston Texans, uh, they, as soon as, as September 1st comes along, you don't talk contract until the season's over, period. And, and I, don't, I don't know what this regime is, what their stance is on it. They've been poorly asked that question um, and, and weaseled out of the answer and good on them for doing it. So we don't really know where they're at on that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's somebody that I would – I think he's a long-term, you know, this is a homegrown talent. You know, we, we saw 
one of the last homegrown talents, one of the first ones, I should say, that they that was worth paying in a long time was Joe Schobert. They elected to let him go. I would like to see them keep one of them. Now, obviously, they did that with Miles, but uh, you know, but that's the different. Fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. This this is a this is a non-star, but this is this is a glue guy. This is this is this is exactly you know, the the fact that you 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 developed him. That's something that you can point to as an organization. I know it was two regimes ago. It's still it it says that this team is turning a corner, that they are producing talent that is worth keeping on a second contract. And for for them to start walking out the door on that, that that's I don't think that's where this organization wants to be. I think they I think they would be much better off in keeping him. Now obviously if it's cost prohibitive you know, you got to do what you got to do, but uh, I I would love to see them lock him up. And and man, I that that twenty mil a year though for for him that that that's rich, dude. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not, I'm not saying that. He, yeah, you know, I don't it, think it, the Browns would do it. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, not not when they're going to have to pay Chubb. It's it sounds like they want to keep Kareem around. Uh, that you know they're going to have they have they have just. That's the fun part about having a good football team, Brad. There's decisions like that to be made. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, but still, they haven't, uh, and it, it's coming, right? These decisions are yeah. coming, but like with Baker Mayfield not really securing his future the way they would have liked to, it just kind of leaves things like where you're not really sure on certain things, like this. Like if you knew. Like if Baker was lights out last year, you'd have a lot better picture of where you wanted money to go in the next couple. Yes, years. yes. Uh, but it somehow uh, has it's, caused this to it's be any theory tenuous. Yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know, so you know, they spent some money on Kareem. It was nice to see, and and uh, that was, a, I think, a, a good contract for the Browns. Kind of team friendly, keeping the talent around. You know, with Chubb, just keeps his. You know. Those two together just elongates each other's careers, right? Oh, uh, for sure. So that's a, a great game plan. But um, I, I just feel strongly about Ogan Joby and guys like him and Jarvis and and being the lifeblood of what the Browns are going forward. And you would just like to make sure that he sticks around it. But it's it could be problematic, right? Yeah, that's I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I, we're, we're seeing the same thing there. Okay. All right. We'll see how Andrew Barry handles it. You know, the interesting thing about that, and you mentioned Joe Schubert, is that he said, didn't he say something like he wished that he would have been there to handle his free agency differently? Uh, yes. Because they may have kept him. Wouldn't that kind of make you think that he would have addressed it in season then? Because it was yeah, after the seasons that he that he had a chance to, right? So Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know. Maybe. We'll see. Trying to read between the lines there, but it, it's fun. It's fun learning the new the new regime. Hopefully, this one sticks around for a few years. They're off to a damn good start, and I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah, no question. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, the game uh, from Sunday or Dallas? I expect i I really want to see this be a game where the offense goes off, and they, you know, Stefanski. This is the time to experiment, but it's also not the time to try to get cute. Winning in Dallas and, and improving to three and one, that there's a huge difference between being three and one and being two and two. Not just in like the historical you know thing. For this team, this 
Cleveland team to be three and one, and you just beat Dallas in Dallas um, in in front of all the eyes in, in the nation. Yep that that would be a very significant accomplishment, and I God that would be so much fun because be. I, I'm not I'm not a Dallas hater, but damn their fans it's it's fun to rub their nose in it every now. And then. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a winnable game. I really do. Oh, I think, for yeah, sure. yeah, they should okay. they should go into this game I, as a fan. You probably should not expect them to win, but you should you shouldn't be surprised if they do. Right? Yeah, you, you should feel good about your chances. I think uh, definitely, it, it, and I think it, it'll be a close game regardless. The, the line opened up at five and a half uh, for Dallas. That's uh, that's rich. That's yeah. rich, man. Yeah. So. We'll see. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jerry, I guess, had some comments about Dak today. I didn't hear him. Maybe it was taken He's, out of context. It, it, it was taken out of context, but uh, just wait for Jerry to appear on the same radio show tomorrow and extrapolate upon it because that's what Jerry does. <laughs> Unbelievable that he even says anything like that, though, like uh, comparing him to Romo and somebody else or something, I think. Uh, so he, he basically said that um, – and it was taken definitely out of context, but the, the last throw that Dak made, which if you yeah. watch the game, he scrambled out to his left. They had a three-man rush and got two people home on him. He threw a desperation heave that got picked off, and Jerry basically said Romo would have completed that. Right, yeah. <laughs> was and the it was the of it. <laughs> and basically, Romo would have never gotten out of the pocket on that play because Dak made a remarkable play oh, just it was to keep incredible. his balance. Like, I yeah. thought he was going down for sure. Uh, so it was crazy to talk about that and not mention your defense, which is what I don't get. So <laughs> that's that's that that's that other that this is one of the nice things that, that Cleveland fans are starting to realize now. Other teams have problems too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and this, yeah. this Browns team is finally good enough to start taking advantage of that. Yeah, and that is um, be, because I don't live in Cleveland. I don't necessarily get that overwhelming thing. Although I do get it every time I talk to my 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 family that's back there and friends and fraternity brothers who live and die with, with the Browns. But uh, it's being away from that. You, you do sort of see, um, and I, I mean, I cover the Detroit lions. There's, there's a team that has some organizational issues. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I covered Houston. Um, they had an owner who, who got rid of a good left tackle because of the color of his skin. There, there are other teams that have massive issues in this league and it's not just Cleveland. And I think now that Cleveland has progressed, where I think we're okay with the Haslam's. I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to put them on a pedestal or anything. But I, I think we're realizing that maybe they're not necessarily this massive problem that we might have thought they were, just because things are starting to. It, it looks like it doesn't. It, it feels like there's some stability here. It does. much more than there was. I mean, the Dorse era. You, you had that at first, but. He's such a a volatile, um, com- person. combative yeah. person. Mm-hmm. He never felt like anybody was really comfortable, and it was always like, "Oh, Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Hotsmith, they're just here until they get hired somewhere else." Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I, I get the feeling that this, this, by golly, this could work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, certainly with you know, with Andrew Barry, you you get the feeling that he in. I think there was a poll or something too, but he's viewed very highly around the NFL and a guy like that. I think that, you know, the Haslam's just keep your hands off, let him do his thing. He seems to have a good grasp on things. Obviously the youngest GM in the NFL and uh, I don't have any complaints so far. So, so far so good. 
So what? Good Megadeth album. Thank you so much for making time for me, Jeff. I know you're a very busy man. Uh, Managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Groups, the Browns Wire, uh, the Lions Wire, writer at Real GM, and co-host of ESPN at or at ESPN 961, Grand Rapids, Michigan. When are you on the air again there? Uh, I do a show every Sunday, uh, and I'm also the fill-in afternoon drive time host from 3 to 6, and I'm on most Fridays these these days. <laughs> Sweet. And Sunday. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's got to be fun on Sunday for sure. It is. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, thank you for making time. I kept you for over an hour again. I always And it always ends it, up happening. No it's it's all good, bro. I, I, I enjoyed it. So uh, thanks for having me on. And every time, uh, Jeff, you're the best. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. That was the one and only Jeff Risden. He's my boss, managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Uh, he writes so much, it's incredible. He puts out article after article. Uh, he also writes, uh, does the same thing for the Lions Wire. Um, and uh, writer for Real GM, co-host at ESPN 961 Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank him for coming on. He is the best. Uh, we always uh, have a good conversation about the Browns. He knows his stuff uh, for sure. So uh, frequent flyer here in friend of show at All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Uh, you can kill that, sir. Thank you. And uh, I, my name is Brad Ward. Uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. As I mentioned, that was an interview with Jeff Risden. Uh, we talked at the top of the show about the coaching stability, uh, the how impressive it was that Stefanski was able to, um, in, in the face of uh, panic that we've seen many times by coaches here, Hugh, um, and uh, Freddie and, and many others, uh, you know, in the face of a moment that could have gone the other way, he, you know, was that adult in the room. He kept to the plan of attack, and it was quite refreshing. So uh, something that I think that the Browns can kind of hang their hat on, certainly, uh, as coaching does win games in this league sometimes. It loses games more than often, though. And the Browns have seen many a games lost in ways I didn't think that they could do. Uh, they always seem to find a way for many years um, to lose games when they look like they had them in hand. And uh, I just uh, applaud this coaching staff, especially Kevin Stefanski, uh, for his um, game plan, 
his organization, um, his ability to get these guys to buy in at this point, and then especially in-game situational play calling and sticking to the run game in that game against Washington is something that actually I think that doesn't get noticed enough but takes some courage, some grown-up chutzpah, some, some juice to, to stick to what works, have faith in your guys, and then really just put the hammer down on a team like that after falling behind and struggling to move the ball early in that second half. I, it was uh, something that I don't think the Browns have had in a coach in a long time, and I applaud him for that. Uh, as I questioned him on that week one, we talked about this last week as well. It's kind of our Stefanski meter here at uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, but kudos to him. Um, and you can go read my article on that very topic at thebrownswire.com. Uh, while we, uh, let's see here. So, uh, the show tonight is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy App. Thrive Fantasy App is a daily fantasy show, uh, show, pardon me, uh, app where you can, uh, go and instead of making lineups, you place your, uh, um, picks on prop bets. So you pick, uh, the prop bets you want, they'll lay out 15, you pick 10, you pick the side you want, and that's how you earn, uh, uh, straight cash, homie, uh, and uh, you can use the promo code EYES, E-Y-E-Z, when you sign up today. You'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Um, so with that... I wanted to, as I mentioned during the interview there, and I brought up a couple of these things, but I watched all three uh, Dallas Cowboys games, and we're going to have Dallas Cowboys guest on Shane Carter on Thursday, and I'm efforting another guest. Could be huge. Could be. Don't hold me to it, but I'm efforting another guest this week uh, of the Dallas Cowboys variety, and it could be huge. And we'll squeeze him in sometime if, if he was willing to do it for sure, but... Uh, we're efforting that. I cannot say who at this point. But the cornerback set that the Browns are going to go up against are Daryl Worley and or Darren Daryl Darren. I'm not sure Worley and Trevon Diggs, their rookie um, slot. Their slot corner is Jordan Lewis. He's a uh, a penalty waiting to happen. Uh, Lewis is very way too physical and can get exploited for uh, penalties often. Uh, a couple of them, big ones against Seattle. Um, as I mentioned, this season has been really weird for the Cowboys. So, uh, you know, the Rams beat them to open the season on Sunday Night Football. And really, uh, that I didn't think that was an offensive P.I. call. It negated the game-winning drive for uh, Dallas. Gallup would have had the ball in, you know, field goal range to at least tie, probably score the game-winning touchdown. They would have been down to like the 10, I think, or 15-yard line, and they got that called back, and they ended up losing the game. Um, I did not think, I thought it was a terrible call, to be honest. Um, week two against the Falcons, they were down big, probably should, they should have lost the game. They tried two fake punts, as I mentioned, Dak was pressured, um, not as well as the Rams, but he was still pressured, even by the Falcons. 
they moved the ball relentlessly through the whole game and were still losing. Uh, and then recovered an onside kick at the end, and Zerline kicks a field goal uh, in a miracle win against the Falcons, right? Um, then week three, they got to play the Seahawks, and and they're on fire offensively. They've taken the governor off of the uh, cart for um, Russell Wilson this year. They are just letting him let it fly, and he is ridiculous uh, just deep ball after deep ball on the mark, on the money with Metcalf and Lockett. Uh, Lockett out of the career day. Metcalf at, uh, was fantastic as well, but weird plays in all these games. So we talked about the, the two fake punts and the, uh, the offensive PI call and uh, the onside kick that saved their game against the Falcons. They bring them to one and one, and then... They have the game won against the Seahawks, but some of the the plays in this game, so uh, a ridiculous safety they took in the first half. The the kicker, uh, it was a kickoff, and the kick returner for the Cowboys catches the ball in the end zone, drops it on the one-yard line, and covers it up on the one. So on a kickoff, they have the ball at their own one-yard line. They turn around to hand it to Zeke to get him some room, and he literally trips and falls in the end zone for a safety. Uh, Later uh, in the half, uh, the Seahawks hit Metcalf on on a wide open, just wide open. He's going to come in and score a touchdown, and uh, the ball gets knocked out of the back of the end zone as he goes across the one-yard line into the end zone by... Trevon Diggs saving a touchdown and and getting the ball back for them. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, strip sack on deck later. Cowboys uh, defense just leaving wide receivers wide open, just butt naked running through the, uh, through the secondary, all their wide receivers. And then, um, you know, Dak throws a pass. It should have been an interception. It hits Flowers right in the chest, bounces up into Gallup's hands uh, at the, like the 7 Minute mark. They end up losing uh, by seven in a shootout, thirty-eight, thirty-one to Seattle, and they're just one and two. They very well could be zero and three or three and zero. Honestly, I mean it's crazy. Their season has been wild, but they have moved the ball without any uh, issue, um, really. At to this point in the season, they have four wide receivers that are very good, three that are are, are stars, and and four a fourth that is very good as well. Um, Zeke, uh, just 14 touches for 34 yards. Uh, Cedric Wilson comes on and scores two touchdowns in that Seahawks game. Things to, to keep an eye on and think about. Their defense is just can be, can be gashed in the run game or the pass game, so it'll be interesting to see how the Browns take an approach to that one. We'll have some insight thoughts on that from, of course, uh, Shane Carter, who uh, hosts Dem Boys podcast and, um, you know, writes on uh, the Cowboys. Um, and then we also, uh, as I said, I'm efforting a uh, another uh, guest on Wednesday, tomorrow. Uh, I am going to go on uh, Shane's podcast. So if you want to hear uh, some Browns talk, I'll be on the Dem Boys podcast tomorrow. Uh, talking about the Browns on the Cowboys podcast. Then he'll flip and come on my show on Thursday, which I'm sure you all will enjoy. 
thoroughly as we get an inside look uh, from a Cowboys insider. Uh, that's how we do things here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Free t-shirt giveaway. Go to All Eyes on Cleveland on Twitter. Follow the directions. Retweet, follow, and leave a review for a second entry to win a free t-shirt at the end of this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for Mikey on the ones and twos, big thanks to Jeff Risden. I am Brad Ward. We are out. Yes, sir.